Master Plumbers Radio, bringing you all the stuff you won't learn in trade school. G'day and welcome to another episode of Master Plumbers Radio. I'm your host, Daniel Carroll, and today I'm joined by Ping and Boyan Genger from Level Playing Field. They provide legal expertise, cash flow solutions, and business solutions tailored to the construction industry. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming and uh, sharing your time with us. Um, can we start, I guess, by uh, telling our listeners a little bit about each of yourselves? Sure. Uh, so I'm Ping. Uh, I'm a practicing solicitor, and I'm a registered builder as well. Uh, people ask me a lot uh, how I got started in the construction industry and I'm not exactly what you would expect in the construction industry. I'm a small Asian woman, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so my family were in property development and I started running construction projects and I wanted to become a registered builder. So I went along and I went to Master Builders and got my Cert 4 in building construction and I became a registered builder. And I started to see firsthand some of the issues that tradespeople deal with on site. And they had a lot of issues with uh, money that they were owed, and they had a lot of issues getting instructions for variations and things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My name is Boyan. Um, I finished university as an engineer. I've sort of been in the construction game since a little kid, you know, renovating and building sort of units here and there with my family as well. Um, yeah, then decided to get into the construction industry a bit more seriously. Um, then met Ping and uh, we started our own sort of building development game but you know previously was a trade as well so I've got a bit of experience in that field and uh, at the same time as Ping was sort of saying we saw the same sort of common uh, faults that were happening which was payment you know delays <laughs> and most people are pretty good um, in the in the game they pay well but uh, you know once in a while you do get caught out and um, like most trades I had no idea what to do who to approach you know some people say put this on your invoice i have no idea what that meant and how do i follow it up but uh once you start getting into sort of larger contracts and larger uh, the bigger game um it gets a lot more complex so and we discovered security payments and we had some debts we needed to collect and so we used security payments and everything's done on paper we put the application in and then it was three weeks and we had a determination and the builder paid us. This was for our steel business. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. We'd done other debt, debt recovery methods. We had debt collectors in, we had um, magistrate's court claims, and it just took so long to get the money that it was really debilitating for our business. But once we discovered security payments, we found that we could use it to not only get paid at the end, but also to negotiate and say, well, look, we've got these rights uh, under the act. So, uh, you know, pay us. Yeah. So you mentioned security of payments. So through your businesses and your experiences, yes. you got together, pulled your knowledge in the different fields and sort of complementing each other. And now you've established your own business level playing field. That's yeah. it. So I guess you're out there. It's happened to you. It's more than likely happening to a lot of other people out there. Yeah. So um, sort of put your hand up to say, okay, guys, we'll, we'll uh, put a – a system in place to help other people. Tell us how that, that that's going. I can take care of that one. Um, so what happened was primarily, you know, as builders ourselves, we uh, we experienced a lot of uh, our trades um, coming up to us and requesting money earlier for our jobs. And we were just asking sort of what's the reasoning behind it. And they said, oh, you know, I got 
shafted by another builder and I'm late payments and I've got to pay my boys. And they were sort of really struggling to, they were great trades. They were just really struggling with their business and okay. following up their cash flow. So, um, you know, Ping was sort of running um, with their family steel business um, doing that. And I said, you know, can you maybe help out some of these trades here? It wasn't a substantial amount of money, you know, relative, but uh, it still sort of put a bit of a, it made them sort of stressed out a fair yeah. bit, you know. And uh, right, yeah. yeah, you know, even if it's, if it's you know, a thousand, two thousand, they sort of feel a bit cheated and sometimes... You know, sometimes it's more 10, 20, 50,000, some of the smaller people, smaller trades. Yeah, well, everyone that does any type of work, whether it be cleaning Correct. or what, if you do the work, you're more than, Correct. <laughs> more than obliged to be paid for the work that you carry Correct. out. So. so we helped out a fair few of them, um, you know, and uh, we just realized that, you know, that what, what was sort of missing fundamentally from these really good tradespeople was just an education on understanding what it meant. And I said to Ping, you know, I think this is, um, one, it was affecting our construction business. Yeah. So why am I supporting another con- bad contract uh, builder at the same time? You know, yeah. we're funding his projects and yeah. and, that time. and you know, we've seen from from uh, you know, let's say a developer stops paying a builder, builder stops paying the trade, trade stops paying their supplier, and that just goes on and on and on and on. And uh, we said, you know, the industry really needs to have some sort of legal support or some someone in place to help them out. And we just weren't seeing it in the state. And then we realized that, you know, Queensland and uh, New South Wales really implement this security payments um, into their system. And Victoria is just sort of behind um, unfairly. And there's a huge lack of education in terms of what are the rights and responsibilities of a tradesperson. And so much of um, what will happen in that project is based on the negotiations at the start. So what are they agreeing to? The scope of works, yeah. the site conditions, the construction program, the staging. There's, I get so many um, phone calls about, I mean, obviously about debts, but a lot about scope of works. So there's an issue with the site condition. Do I have to deal with it? Do I need to go and fix that before I can go on? Or does the builder need to prepare the site condition so I can continue working? Or sometimes it's the builder has broken up the jobs for his benefit and now instead of Ten, instead of five stages, it's ten stages. What does that look like for, for me in terms of for the tradesperson to get paid for that extra staging? And the, there's a bit of a, I suppose, a discord between, you know, as a, let's say, as a builder or a trade, tradesperson, you sort of think to yourself, lawyer, you know, wow, you know, this really expensive process, you know, I don't yeah. understand how I'm going to communicate to them. And we thought, hey, you know, we understand the language. We understand what a you know, what a beam is and what a, you know, what okay, a pipe is, enough. you know, whereas most lawyers <laughs> wouldn't even understand what goes on in, in a, a bit, day-to-day. bit like myself, being new to the plumbing industry, yeah. it's, uh, I'm very lucky to share a an office with a very knowledgeable uh, plumber and my my uh, knowledge of the industry is coming on quickly, but there's still a lot I don't know. Yeah. The yellow one's gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Just trying to help you out there. Yeah, well, we've also done some renovations on my home recently, and I uh, I uh, figured that one out as well. <laughs> yeah. But it's um, it's such a fascinating in- industry, plumbing, but um, uh, there's no reason why a lot of this stuff can't be transferred across, or it, it is transferable across uh, industry as well. So. Oh, the whole, the whole game. Yeah. You know. So... If somebody um, going back to the the security of payments, uh, what are the obligations of the um, I guess from both sides, from the person that's running the job and the person that's 
wanting to get paid. How, how does it all come together with in regard to that? So the fantastic thing about security payments is that it was created by the government. So it's legislation. It sits above things that you agree to uh, with the contract. So you have uh, a right under the Act separate to your contract to get paid. So you have a right obviously under the contract, but you also have this additional right under security payments to get paid. And so uh, people always have on the invoice, this is a payment claim under the blah, 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 Building Construction Industry Security Payments Act. And that's enacting the legislation. And so once you put that on your invoice, you're starting the process, whether you know it or not, you're starting the process under security payments. But I think the problem that tradespeople face is that they don't know the nuts and bolts of enforcing. So they put that on the invoice and they forget about it. I don't know many trades who have actually been through the process of enforcing it. So what we try to teach people, we run um, monthly seminars on security payments. We try to teach tradespeople, what does it actually look like? So if you run a claim, what does it look like at the end? What are the costs involved? So people can consider that. So they think, uh, I can negotiate with this builder and maybe get paid, but what's my fallback position if he's not gonna pay me? Right. Okay, so I'm gonna have to spend X and I'm gonna have to prepare my paperwork like this so I can get paid. And that's, um, a lot of it's about preparing your paperwork so then when you need to enforce it, everything is ready to enforce it. And the other thing was sort of from the trades perspective is that what you sort of asked before was, you know, they're obliged to, one, when they have a contract to understand what that means and two, to do the job correctly. So this is not one of those scenarios where, you know, you do some dodgy work and you think, oh, I want to get paid. I'm just going to call up and get that money. That's not correct, you know. And uh, a contract is technically an agreement that you have and that you have to understand what you have agreed to. And sometimes on site, you know, you might get that, oh, just just do that, you know, or just do that. And you'd be right, I'll pay you later on. It'll be a variation. And when it comes down to the end of it, if you don't follow the proper procedure, you know, legally you have nothing to stand on. So we want to make sure that they understand, you know, what that means and, uh, you know, variations and all that is very very crucial can be a substantial amount of money yeah um, it's also conduct in relation to defects i get um i get phone calls um a lot from concreters (laughs) about um how do i deal with this defect so i'm getting allegations of defects we advise people on the correct conduct in order to resolve the defect Okay. That kind of thing as well. Sure. And you mentioned that you run workshops for tradies. Yes. Um, what sort of timeframes are involved in the, the workshops? So we offer two packages. So if people want to come to the monthly classes, then we provide them all the templates to be security payments compliant in terms of documentation. And it takes about half a day to go through the session. And then we have a follow-up phone call maybe two weeks later and we run through the concepts under security payments because there are a few concepts that are a bit technical and it's good to have the class and then that follow-up phone call afterwards. Or if people want, um, we can come to their business and we'll run a seminar just specifically for that person's business. We also start looking through their debtors list and advise them about how we can start to bring the arrears okay. in. Yep. Fantastic. And for anyone uh, out there looking to uh, attend one of the workshops, we'll have a link uh, attached to this post. So uh, keep an eye out. And if you're interested, uh, reach out to the guys and and um, book in. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, the, the, the key thing is to take away from that class is that we sort of use the 80-20 principle. So if you have just 20% of knowledge 
um, it covers 80% of what we believe is is, is a real common occurrence. Yeah. Um, if you, you don't need to understand the complete Security Payments Act, yeah. um, but if you just follow key procedures and just some things we see time and time again yeah. um, and understand those things, and then we give you the template to follow. Yeah. And that way, what that means is you can come to us and say, I've been in this situation, I followed your template, you know, let's let's yeah. proceed with Security Payments Act, and we're like, great, it's all sorted, and it comes a really cost-effective way for us to operate as well. Yeah. It drastically and increases your ability to recover under security payments, but also reduces your costs because we don't have to spend as much time on your file. Yeah, okay, That's what it's about. cool. So, without uh, going through the whole process for what you'd be teaching in your workshops, sure. for a summary, you, you've got um, someone that's completed some work. Is there a time frame that has to lapse before any type of recovery can be enacted? So you can choose to enforce any payment claim under the Act at any time on a project, but generally we would suggest to tradespeople to do it at the end of the job because obviously when you're still on site, if you start talking about recovering money money under security payments, there's going to be animosity on site. They're going to be angry people. So uh, generally, once you finish work on site, so when you leave site, you need to invoice under the Act within three months. So if you're thinking about preparing your second last or last claim and you think that a dispute is going to arise, that would be the time to contact us and start preparing an application for adjudication. Okay. And I guess there's a lot of people, I I know a lot myself, that um, come into losses through business and they think the easiest way is, depending on the value of that loss, is just to sort of suck it up and keep going. Correct. So that would be going on all over the place. Um, While people are happy to do that, if someone was to enact um, recovery via this um, scenario, what, in your experience, is the likelihood of a a successful recovery, whether that be the full amount or a percentage? Should the procedure be followed? Yes. It is high. It is highly likely. If you've done the work and then you've responded to any defects allegations properly, then we do have a high success rate in terms of there's a very limited scope under security payments. In a general sense, it's mostly about value on site. So if you've got value on site, uh, defects can be defended and you can make out your variations. Making out variations means that you've got a site instruction. The best would be to have written site instructions. So if you get an email that says, do this, and then we can prove it's outside your scope of works, then we can obviously prove the value, the valuation and the variation itself. So, so I guess the the ideal thing there is to make sure all of your paperwork is uh, up to scratch. Exactly. And everything that you're completing on your job is included in what, a, a working diary or is that part of uh, the photos, photos, yep. photos, 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 um, okay. emails, photos. Well, I, I guess mean, we, you know, the old days was, oh yeah, mate, no, it was handshakes. We'll just get it done. Yep. You'll be fine. But you, you, it just doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. I suppose anymore. It, it's, it's not really that difficult yeah. to do considering everyone's got a, a camera in their pocket these days as Correct. well. That can 100%. Store. And yeah, this, this goes down from all levels, you know, yeah. from your from your managers, supervisors, down to your, your apprentices, uh, conversations, uh, emails. And this is where they're, they're sort of, they're, um, to sort of make it sound, to sort of make it simple, 
it's basically getting to a situation towards the end where you've done that you've done the job correctly you get towards the end you say i want to get paid they say well no blah 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 you know you say okay cool i decided to follow the security payments act and you go in front of a judge and it's the quickest way it's not a like a judge in the adjudicator adjudicator, i apologize (laughs) uh an adjudicator and that is sort of a person that will decide and it's highly favorable in the tradesperson's um, it's a claimant-friendly process. Yeah. And if, with, if I could say something about variations, if you make sure that you get an email or you get a text message that says that's instructing you to do that extra work, then we can look to recover that payment. Okay. Um, the difficult thing is when you've done a whole bunch of work and it's not clear that something is a variation. Yeah. It's not clear that it's outside your scope of works um, and okay. that kind of thing. So it's also understanding your scope of work so you can – there might there might have been verbal conversations saying that this is not within my scope of works, but then the contract actually has that item as part of the scope of works, okay. and then you can't claim a variation. Sure, and you know you get this sort of common. There's a few common things that sort of keep reoccurring. One is that you know you you quote a job, and then they'll say, well, I quoted for X, but the contract might not have that exactly. in there. And then you think, oh, well, I quoted it and I'm going to sign this contract because I quoted it. And then they come out and they said, well, no, what's happening here? And they said, well, you know, it's different to the contract to what I quoted. And this is where a lot of those disputes, this is why we do, we think it's pretty key to have contract reviews. And let's just say there is a number of builders out there who are getting a bit technical and trying to sneak in a few little things here and there. And you might not even understand what you're actually signing up for. And we've had a case just lately where it was a, a large uh, a wind farm and, um, you know, there was one little clause that basically saved the contractor, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And that was that was big. Okay. You know? So when we do and contract reviews, it's about understanding the transaction as a whole. So we understand what's going to escalate your costs. Because if something is going to escalate your costs and the contract doesn't allow you to provide a variation for that, then you'll have issues claiming a variation. So that's okay. part of the contract review. So part of what you were just saying then about not understanding particular things sort of brings me to my next point of um, in addition to recovering debt, there's a lot of other um, problems that subcontractors are facing out there at the moment. Are you able to elaborate on any of those and how you're able to uh, help out? So I think insolvency is probably the biggest thing that people talk about that you um, that in the construction industry everyone has dealt with insolvency at whatever level Um, and I think this year has been quite bad because the funding constraints have come in uh, and that's definitely slowing down the cash flow in the industry and so there's a monitoring service that we subscribe to which looks at I guess commercial data out there so who is defaulting on payments in the industry Uh, if there's anything out there in terms of court action so winding up action if the credit risk insurers are extending credit Oh, sorry, uh, extending insurance over the certain builders, then you know that they're probably um, okay for now. So that kind of commercial information we gather and we are part of the monitoring service and we tell our clients about um, any concerns we have about certain builders and things like that. Yeah, okay. So it's an important resource to if you're thinking about uh, signing up to any particular contract or entering a, a job where there's other people. Correct. Sort of a, a very good thing to know. And even halfway through, 
Yeah. You know, if you're halfway through a job and you're thinking things are going to look looking shaky, we can offer that service to say, well, okay, yeah, it is shaky. It is. Okay. So you might want to enact the security payments a little bit early and get paid early as fast as possible. Okay. And there's a whole bunch of legal ramifications, um, you know, should insolvency be called by the by the uh, the build and developer but there's also another there's a lot of avenues that you can go down um, yeah. if you get it's in about early. enforcing payment early yeah. that, that's the key thing like people that leave their arrears for a long time I think in the minds of a lot of people they may not think that they're indebted to them any longer they might think well look this debt is so old yeah. I don't need to pay this person so I'm going to fight it okay. so there's that aspect but also insolvency is definitely something that starts to be a concern for old debts Okay. And the biggest one we have right now is actually retention. Right. That's it, yeah. yeah. So there's been a few cases where um, the money has to be returned to, yeah. to, to the... I think can explain that one a little bit better. Yeah, so in um, February of this year, there was a high court case where it actually made um, reten- uh, retentions based on the head contract void. And okay. so um, we've run a number of adjudication cases for clients where the retention is not um, hasn't been returned and they're able to get that returned okay. quicker. So what that means is that most retentions will be based on either the head contractor's practical completion, the PC, or the end of the defects liability period. So both of those events are based on the head contract. So the High Court has said that those retention clauses are now void, which means that the builders don't have the right to hold retentions if the clause is written that way. And so under security payments, if you finish the job, you can actually call in your retentions early. So okay. that's the kind of information that um, tradespeople aren't That's a lot of money for a lot of guys out there. Yeah, well, and um, just sort of trying to make sense of it then as you're explaining, I'm glad you've, you're offering that service to me to yeah. sort of wade through all of the, uh, uh, the different rules and regulations there because it could be pretty... Um, pretty tricky to understand all that. I, I, I could imagine going Come to a class. We'll, yeah. try, we'll, we'll break it down for you. You can ask all the questions you want, and I, we'll go through. I all. could imagine a lot of people. You know, they've got enough on their plate with just doing their jobs, worrying about how to understand a lot of these things. Uh, it would be um, so so much easier just to have somebody say, "Okay, this is what's what's involved, and this is how we're going to do it." And we'll speak that language. You know, yeah, we're so gonna, we got to we, we do gonna... that monthly health check. Um, so we, uh, some of our clients, um, they're on like a monthly health check. So right. we uh, we review their debtors lists um, once a month, and we start to tell them. Uh, they'll say, I'm a bit concerned about this. And so we'll kind of formulate a strategy with them and say, we'll monitor, monitor, monitor until a certain point. And then yep. if we need to escalate it, we escalate it to enforcement. Is, is there a expiration date on a, a debt? Uh, under security payments, there is. You have to be doing work on site. Yep. Um, so you have to be doing work under the contract. And uh, when you leave site that last claim, you need to start thinking about enforcing under the Act. Yeah. So a payment claim under the Act must be made within three months from when you last do work under the contract. Yeah. Um, but if you use other enforcement methods, such as VCAT, Magistrates Court, um, Supreme Court, that, that kind of thing, there isn't. There's a uh, six-year, six-year, seven-year uh, limit on it. Okay. Six years. Yeah. But it's a lot more expensive process. Yeah. So we try to do everything under security payments, um, and that obviously has a very tight time frame. Sure. And we can explain all that. Just so that's one of the sort of things I was saying to you. Once you understand that process, 
then you know you was you will say so okay i have to make that decision soon yeah and one of the common common first reactions we get from uh the trades is well i don't really know if i want to use a legal card yeah you know so really they're sort of they feel like they're probably going to intimidate the the builder and then they're scared about getting future work but what we find is it's the uh it's the actual opposite effect uh the builders um tend to respect people that that run their their crew properly and once you get a reputation that you are uh, a good company and you're getting paid and you're doing the job correctly yeah you will get more and more work yeah. i mean if you, you if also you start- get less pushback with things like when people tell me um the builder said that you know there's defects on site so they'll go and do some minor defect and they'll be asked to be doing all this other work like pretty much using them yeah. as labor hire okay and then i'll tell them you if you're not getting instructed, tell them to give you an instruction of writing for that variation and then they suddenly just say, oh, no, we don't need you to do it. So it's it's those costs as well, like knowing yeah. where you can push back or when you should actually be doing the work. Yeah. I mentioned before about how confusing some of this uh, stuff could be. You've got your own job to worry about. Yes. You, you've learnt your trade. You've gone to school, yeah. done your years. Uh, you're experienced in what you do. Having to know all this additional stuff could sometimes be a little bit um, sort of overwhelming. I'm assuming that, that although I guess you learn it in trade school, something like a contract would be pretty uh, daunting to sign up oh, for, yeah. especially if you're on a sort of a larger job when that, that situation is going to rise more often. Um, do you sort of help people understand contracts and really get a, a handle on what they're actually signing up for? 100%. Yeah, so when we do contract reviews, um, most construction contracts will have very similar clauses and we'll go through the process of trying to explain to people what are the risks involved. Obviously, a construction contract by nature is risky. It's not about saying you can't sign up to a contract. It's about saying this clause, the relative risk is this and can we try to negotiate to this? And it's also based on how much you want the contract. If you really... um, I always try to negotiate a cap on liquidated damages, but it'll depend on how much that person wants the contract. So we obviously respect the decisions of people in terms of how much risk they want to take on, but it's about knowing I'm actually signing up for this. Yeah. And some, you know, some good builders out there actually want their contractors to be to be what they call, you know, healthy and responsible and they want to be make sure that they they will pay you, no problem. And it's, they they want to make sure that the other builders that they're going out, it's like us, we want other builders out there to continue on to understand that there's 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 no room to try and you know screw down some some guys because it has a massive ripple effect across the industry. Yeah. And we want healthy businesses to on our jobs because I don't want to get last thing I want is halfway through a project, you know, and then the the tradesperson goes under. You know, and that could have a huge impact on the builder as well. So they, they, you know, they need the system needs healthy businesses to keep growing. And like you saw saying before, is that you know once you sort of finish trade school, you know, I don't know how much is is how much education you take on to continually running a business. You know, yeah. you can you're great at a trade. I understand that you're probably really good at you know doing your job, yeah. but fundamentally. You know, the boss will have to take understand that he is running a business, mm-hmm. and that education doesn't sort of stop. And uh, you know, it sort of looked, it's looked, it's again, it's put it to the side. It's sort of saying, oh, you know, you should be right, should be right, until it's not all right. Yeah. And that's when we start seeing a lot more phone calls. We start seeing a lot more. Hey, I'm really under the under the. You know, what do I do now? Yeah. What's well, like? Well, okay, if you just took a couple of precautions just beforehand, yeah. or like we can help a lot of people in that in that hole it's just that 
Um, it's a lot easier to get the education and to understand the process of how it all works. So it becomes a bit more like business as usual. So yeah. I have a lot of clients who they, um, if a contract is of certain nature, like a fixed price contract, or it's over a certain um, value, then they will get me to review the contract. And sometimes I even negotiate on their behalf. It just depends on what kind of level of assistance they require and or the budget. Okay. So you touched on before, you know, you go to school for a couple of years, you, you learn your craft, you start getting experience with that. A lot of guys or majority of the industry out there is um, people working for themselves. Uh, if you've, you're part of a big business, you're more than likely got somebody that's going to run your um, finances, got somebody that's going to do all your quoting and invoicing for you. Um, you've got someone to help you do recruitment and marketing and every other bit, bits and pieces that go with running a business. Most of the people out there, probably most of the people out there tuned in, um, will be doing all this themselves up till late at night doing their paperwork and uh, managing all their people. Apart from... Um, recovering debt is there any other things that you're able to help these people um, with yeah so is that um, that contract review service that we provide in terms of going into a contract because that contract dictates how that project is going to be run it's your scope of works it's um, what clauses you have in relation to delays um, and those kind of things so it's very important to not only understand the contract that you're signing up to but what areas that need to be negotiated. If you think about it like this, the the builders have a standard form contract that they use and that has been prepared by a law firm. Then the tradespeople are getting these contracts. They don't understand what they're signing up to and they're agreeing. So obviously that contract is heavily weighted towards the builder. And uh, in, in my experience dealing with subcontractors and the contract review service that we provide, once you go back and you negotiate a few clauses, the, the builders are receptive to those kind of things. Obviously, some things they won't agree to, yeah. but it might be just about limiting the liability of certain things. And in that training, we provide a, a sort of like a framework on how you should operate every job. You know, how you should, how you should document, um, you know, what you've done and how you should document variations and how you should document, you know, uh, keeping that sort of system and even putting little calendar reminders for yourself of what day means what, you know, if it's, you know, what day do I get paid on? What day do I follow it up on? And we've got a little calendar we sort of made up just as a reminder for them to, uh, to say to them, okay, this day you should be tricking your books. Okay. You know, so those, it's those sort of administrative um, uh, you know, processes that should be in place for you. And uh, at, the, at the minimum, you have to have this system in place because it's not, you know, most of the day you'll be fine. But it's a good habit to get into yeah. because in those moments where you do get caught out and that could be really critical timing for your, for your business as a growth, you know, you're going through a growth phase, you, you're probably a little bit leveraged on the, on the money, you've got, you know, more staff, you know, they get paid weekly and you get paid, you know, every every so often. Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's one of those things that's anything that's different or away from your usual um, day-to-day stuff, it could take a little bit of getting used to, but once... Once you're establishing, as, as you mentioned, uh, turning these things into ha- uh, habits, um, they won't be as much of a um, or new thing anymore. That's correct. Uh, and it will be helping their business. 100%. I'm sure over, how long, how long have these um, workshops been going for? How long have you been doing those? Uh, 
couple of years now. A couple of years. I'm sure over that time you've helped lots of people. Yeah. Have you seen any sort of trends happening with particular uh questions these guys are coming to you with or has it just been sort of a range from we've got a lot of people recovering debt a lot of people wanting to understand contracts uh people wanting to rather than you know chase down debt sort of mediate and sort of meet in the middle somewhere uh is there any particular trends that emerge or it's just sort of a little bit of everything it is a little bit of everything but i think the key issue that i see with the the industry is that lack of understanding about their rights and responsibilities Right. I think that underlie, underlies the problem with everything that we see. Like when you when you get to a payment dispute at the end and people don't get paid, it's more complex than the builder doesn't want to pay them. Sometimes it's as simple as insolvency or um, they're having cash flow issues. Yeah. But uh, we're finding a lot of it is to do with the complexity of the construction industry. Yeah which is about people not understanding what their scope of works are or what are the expectations that, right. that they have under the contract. Yeah, and a lot of the people we see is people that are uh, growing their businesses. You know, they're going from sort of that really small to medium and mm. wanted to take on these large... I mean, there is a construction boom going on. Mm-hmm. There is a shortage of trades. There is yeah. there is people stepping up from domestic to commercial to, yeah. you know, industrial to all that sort of stuff. And they, they really want to... They want to know how do I take that leap yeah. You know, how do I get involved? And they just haven't had that experience down from, from let's say, from a domestic level. And they want to know what else do I need before it comes, you know? And this is the questions that we get sort of, this is why we think that education at that critical point yeah. is, and we just, we didn't see anything out there that sort of provides that information. And, you know, as any business goes, your legal rights, you have to address it. At yeah. any point, you know, where you're a de- builder, a developer, or, or yeah, a tradesperson. You, you, you mentioned, you said something just then that resonates with me a lot, and it's education. I'm 100%, yeah. 30, 37 now, and there was a good period in my career where I thought I knew everything. Of course. <laughs> like a lot of people. But I've been sort of putting a focus on my personal career in, in learning as much as I can. And I know Master Plumbers, especially, is, is uh, advocating for CPD for the industry. Because you know what you what you uh, learnt a couple of years ago may have had some tweaks here and there, and being able to constantly remind yourself of new things and uh, just even if it's if it's a refresher for something you haven't done in a long time, it's sort of going to make a big difference. Um, in, in addition to having a lot of these things that are foreign from what someone might have started with, is there any other tips that you can sort of? Uh, suggest to people that can help them sort of uh, get into the habits that they're going to need to uh, sort of progress with this sort of stuff? I think now that most people are using cloud servers, it's about having um, well-organized documentation. So um, we actually do the folder setup of how, if I was running your business, how I would set up the documentation. So um, the contract administration precedes the legal claim. If you've got very good contract administration, it's really going to cut down your legal fees um, if things go to a dispute. But it's also in terms of running the project, you're going to know exactly where you're at. So we help people in terms of organising their extension of time claims, how it should be organised. I think a lot of people don't even understand exactly how you put in an extension of time and how you show the effects on the critical path. So Mm. because we have that building background, and we know how to you know, use Microsoft Project and work okay. out where 
where you're finished and where the builder, what, what information the builder needs to know about your delays. We assist with things like the contract administration, how to set up your cloud servers and your your information so that it's accessible and it's organised. So you're not suggesting anyone out there to become a, a computer guru. Um, everyone these days has got their phone on them and the phone is one of the best um, tools. I've talking to a few people out there, did a poll on Facebook recently, watched the one thing you can't leave the house without. And a lot of people said the phone. Unless I've got my phone, I can't operate my business. You don't even need a wallet these days because you've got your cards on yeah, your phone. Yeah. You know, well, here's, the phone. Here's, a, here's, a, here's the great thing that I try to tell people. Um, you know, you, you've run a business, you know, primarily you're taught tools, right? So there's a great, in, in the plumbing world especially, it's changed so, you know, drastically in the last few years with different systems out there to yeah. greater tools, faster, do this better. And it's only going to get more. Yeah. As we go into the future, it's only going to get more. You know, we went from um, copper pipes to, to, to plastic pipes and connections and all that sort of stuff. And I watched the boys work and I said, you know, how many times have you actually focused on tools that help your business? Mm. You know, like I, the, the best example I've got is uh, back in the day, <laughs> um, you know, who'd had that bag of receipts just in the, in the back of the ute, you know, you're sitting there and you're like... A bag, bag of receipts, that organized. Well, the Santa sack, <laughs> the Santa sack, that's right. And then you sort of come in and Pim would sort of come to me and say, right, you're doing your, you, you know, you check the receipts, you got that receipt and I'll be like, oh, you know, I gotta, I gotta go through it all. And there's this one app that we just take, literally take a photo of it and it goes right to the accounting system. Okay. And it's like, you can throw that, that receipt out now yeah. and it just... It's all documented for you. And then, you know, there's all those things out there for your business to make, you know, like you said before, you're staying up late at night trying to do this. There are so many systems out there to help your business out. You just get to understand that you could save so much time by using these tools. You know, this this is really cheap. They're quite cheap. I think receipt banks maybe. $25 $25 a month yeah. um, when you first get started okay. and you have that thing yeah. where you take a photo of a receipt and it puts all the information into your accounting system so it will tell okay. it will say the supplier um, yeah. the GST the, all that stuff what's that so one called? Receipt Bank Receipt Bank so it connects yeah. to zero we've got an affiliation with Receipt Bank yeah, but if they want to pay us royalties I actually um, I use a, an app called ScanBot which is uh, you scan if you've got a bit of paperwork you need to hold on to, but it might be getting ripped or whatever. Put it on the table. Um, you hover your camera over the top of it. Uh, it'll identify where the edges of the document are and scan it, and then keep a PDF copy. You can email or do whatever. If you get the pro version, you can identify all the text in there and copy and paste and whatever. But uh, I recently did a, a review on that for our. Uh, internal newsletter for our members and I guess that's part of why we're deciding to put this podcast together is um, there's so much information out there that can help our members and the wider industry uh, for that is um, I guess why I've got you guys here is helping everybody understand that they don't have to do this all themselves there are people and tools and systems out there that they can implement relatively easily to their business and it will help them a lot and it's a lot more affordable than they than they really believe. You know, like I said at the start, you think a lawyer, you're thinking huge money, huge expenses, I've got to go to court, it's gonna take months on end, VCAT. They've had that sort of experience in the past and we're like saying, Well, no, hold on a second, there's a there's this is the fastest way to get paid out there. There's a we're very lucky in the construction industry because the Security Payments Act is specific to the construction industry. So yeah. no other industries have access to this fast track debt recovery method. So it's yeah, and it's one of the the reason was because it was one of the highest insolvencies 
in 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 any industry. I think we're represented maybe twenty percent of all insolvencies, or maybe more than that, is the construction industry. Yeah. So you think about that in terms of how big construction is for all of Australia, and then being represented twenty percent of insolvencies. Yeah. That's a lot. I, I guess with an industry that uh, goes through periods of boom and is so competitive for everybody to do the job for the best price and in the quickest time frames, yeah. um, there is probably that there's likely to be um, a high uh, volume of things that don't quite go so right. Yeah. I think it's also because we get paid on account. Yeah. So if you, it never happens in, like for, like for example, professional services where you say you do ten percent of the work and you get paid. It doesn't. You get paid on account, so they can always back charge you from that amount. You know, on a project, you're getting paid progressively, but you won't know exactly how much you get paid for that job until the end because they can back charge you into, yeah. in relation to any of those claims in the past. And we keep a monitor constantly of uh, current cases that are happening in, in the court systems. Uh, you know, new updates, new regulations, in, the, in what it means to your business, and then we try and inform our, our subscribers to to tell them, hey, this is a new rule that's come out. Um, this is how it's going to happen from now on. Not not how you knew for the last thirty years. This yeah. is this is how it's going to happen from now on, and this is how you were sort of. It's a protection for yourself. And um, you know, one of the things I was always saying to to tradespeople, they did sort of call me up and say, oh, oh, they even just friends. You know, they'd say, oh, you know, I've got you know this huge contract, and I said. Yeah, you've quoted for it. You've done the job, but until you get paid, you've yeah. made nothing. You know, you've made you've, you've almost lost money until you get paid. And understand that part. You know, it wasn't always a guarantee that you're gonna. And one day, you know, back in the day, maybe it was. It was a bit more handshaky, but uh, these days we're just seeing so more and more. And fundamentally, we just thought it's just. It seems like very unfair that that um, what Ping touched upon was that the head contractors would get this huge legal team mm-hmm. and you know a lot of the subcontractors would just would just take can't it afford out, to compare. can't afford and then we just we said, knowing where to start I guess yeah. yeah and we said oh what can we call the business well why don't we call it level playing field <laughs> where even the little guys can act you yeah. know as big as the as the big guys that have got that experience oh that's great that's fantastic and you say on your website you're focusing on uh, the knowledge gap between subcontractors and head contractors, what, what you've been saying there, getting everybody to play at the same level. You don't need a huge legal team to battle these. You just need to know how to go about it. I guess yeah. that's where you guys come And we can, you know, we can give it the support that they need to grow their businesses and we're happy to, to – I mean, we get a lot of repeat uh, clients and we get a lot of referrals from their friends yeah. so you know we get one contractor that we save them and they tell all their friends about yeah. our businesses and, and uh, we want to make sure that the industry if it's thriving if everyone's getting paid and the money's flowing everyone's That's making good. money everyone wins Yeah, you know no, nothing worse than, than uh, uh, you know like you're saying at the start when someone takes a hit you know, seventy grand. They just walk away from it. But that seventy grand has to be made up somewhere else. Yeah, you know, and it and affects then, everyone, like the employees and their families yeah. and everyone. And once builders realise that, you know, not paying people affects everyone in the industry. Yeah, because they start upping their rates to try and, you know, there's like yeah, that it's a margin. Well, there's that margin that you think, well, okay, if I don't get paid, you know, one tenth of my contracts, I have to add that percentage onto the the years, and it's like, well. The reason why you're not making money and working twice as hard is because you've missed out those few payments, and yeah. that's a compounding effect across the whole industry. Yeah. And we always want to make sure that that goes back to where it was, and that you know everyone can provide and everyone can play. And then the industry, the we've seen a lot of good, good tradespeople 
just disappear because they've been wiped out and that it's a it's a it's a key that's missing in the in the chain which is like you think about they would train apprentices they would you know create better workers and all that yeah. on going on and we want to see those businesses thrive yeah you don't want to have to tack on another year or two to get uh guys familiar with uh business practices because yeah that and even that would only be scratching the surface so yeah that's right yeah and it's i guess when, when people are um put in a situation where we're having to recover uh, a debt for work that they've done it can also play on um how how they are personally so we've got uh, mental health is is in focus at the moment now and Huge. i can imagine that being able to or not being able to recover their debt would play a lot um it's huge in it's a regard. huge emotional toll and that's why um in the workshops we help people set up the templates and um the cloud servers so then if something does go to dispute all the information is there the hardest thing is to prepare an adjudication application in the limited time frame sometimes you have maybe 10 business days i've had people call me about adjudication applications in one or two days and i've had to just work late nights to get it done okay. but to do all that in a short period of time is a huge stress on the business and the employees and so if you can just produce your paperwork so it's business as usual if you go to dispute you just send me a link to your cloud server and we have the information we need yeah and once they've gone through that process once man they, their faces change really quick they understand oh, once you get that win then yeah sure they get that win and like, then yeah. they're like i can right, do this i can do this yeah yeah it wasn't that bad it was, why, yeah. why why don't and then they tell all their friends about it i wish i had known about this when i started <laughs> exactly mate exactly and then this is why we're trying to get the word out to most people out there there is support out there and like you started you brought up before is that it is so stressful man to not get paid even sometimes a small amounts you feel cheated you feel angry and we've seen people just just like just lose it you know and i'm like man that affects your trades people that affects affects your your, your apprentices affects the whole team you know the, of of what your, your business is yeah. and it is unfair and you feel hopeless and you don't know what to turn to and you don't know you know what is actually out there um, but there is support there is practices and if you get in early if you educate yourself continually and understand that there's better ways of doing it, and if you're on that mind of growing a business, you have to be open-minded to other systems out there, and not sure. the, not the way it was always done, because yep. that sometimes that does, that dies out, that, that's phased yep. out. You know, there's new ways of doing things, and you know, use the tools that you have, use the phone, use uh, use the people that they, and businesses out there that can support. Yeah, I saw a, a good quote the other day on Instagram. Um, even if you're on the wrong path, even if you're on the right path, if you don't keep moving ahead, you're still going to get taken over or something like that. I've probably just wrecked it now, but even if you go along the right thing, you can't stay still. You've got to keep moving and keep up with um, keep keep up with what's happening in the industry, uh, all the things that can help your business, whether it be uh, the the tools that you use or the systems that you implement in your system. It's all about 100%. keep an eye on, on what's out there. And good news is you don't have to do it all yourself. You've got these people that can come and help you do that. So um, Ping and Boyan, thank you very much for coming on to the show. And um, for anyone that's interested in uh, coming to one of your workshops, uh, where do so they go? Just contact us on the website. There's our details. Yeah, we've got and, a link um, down the bottom of the screen. And then we'll schedule you in. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank Thanks. you. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Master Plumbers Radio. 
Check out the Master Plumbers website at plumber.com.au or hit us up on email at podcast at plumber.com.au. You can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram.